This is a production of KMmedia.pro. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show... Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald. It is Monday, and it's a beautiful day outside. At least it's getting better and better as we go. We've got a great show for you today. I hope that you're going to stay with us the entire time. Our guest today, her name is uh, uh, Tina Davidson. She's a composer. She's an author. She has been doing... I'm, I'm classical music for 45 years. She has been renowned throughout the industry of doing and creating some magical works. We're going to play a few of them for you today. And uh, But first, I've got to talk to my friend Eric. How are you, my friend? Hey, Kevin, I'm doing well. Happy Monday. Yeah, happy Monday to you as well. And, you know, I know that you are... Um, you're, you're, um, a musical guy, you've got a band and, and that kind of stuff. And, uh, one of these days I keep swearing that I'm going to have you on the show <laughs> and feature your music. I w- would love to do that. Well, no pressure um, there, but, uh, yeah. Wouldn't mind no, sharing would some be, music with you. It would, it would be great fun for me, but, uh, uh did you ever do can class? Did you grow up? Did you ever do classical music? No, I can't say that I did. You know, I admire the skill that it takes to do classical music, but um, yeah, I I don't have that skill. <laughs> I'm more a rock and roll guy. What are you gonna do? Uh, it's a sign of the times. Sign of the times. But we're gonna be talking to Tina in just a moment. She has over a 45 year career. David Davidson has commissioned has been commissioned by well known ensembles such as the National Symphony Orchestra, Operation or Opera Delaware, the Roanoke Symphony. Uh, vocal essence, chronos quartet, um, several quartets, and for public television, her, her work has been widely performed by many orchestras and ensembles, including the Philadelphia Orchestra, American Composers Orchestra, St. Paul's Chamber Orchestra, and several others. It is an art form I've been spending the afternoon listening to. It's beautiful music. She is very talented at what she does. And I, but I don't understand how it works because she blends as many as 15, 20 instruments together to make it all work. And it doesn't sound like crap, if you know what I mean. It sounds, it's, it's, it, it's amazing to me that there are people that are so talented out there. And the other thing that she does, you'll be really impressed by this. She goes into a classroom and the, and the, she's instructed the kids to bring a piece of junk that was going to get thrown out at home and to the classroom. And then they make instruments out of it. And then they learn how to play them. Very cool. cool. Yeah. Yes. And then she was going to send, I hopefully she's been able to do that, send some stuff to us and uh, that we can play throughout. But, but uh, so I, I guess what I need to do is to introduce Tina because she is, she is, uh, the focus of today's show, and and rightfully so, because she's extremely talented at everything she does, and she's also a wonderful um, community outreach person, and you really are, are working to pass on your gifts 
to not only the next generation, but we've already done several generations, <laughs> I must say. So yeah. so wel welcome to the show, Tina. How are you? Oh, Kevin, I am so delighted to be with you and so excited to talk to you and share about my music. And you forgot to mention my new memoir that I, was published. Yep. Yeah, so I have that also to talk about. Yes, I was, I was. I mentioned that you were an author. I didn't mention an author of what, but let's, let's <laughs> but basically your memoir is a, um, is a compilation of your life's work and how you did what you did and how you became, cause you were born in another country and you, and you came here and now you reside in Pennsylvania, a beautiful area. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you hard have done so many things in your life. Do you ever, when you were writing your memoir, did you ever stop and go, Holy mackerel, I've done a lot of stuff in my life. Um, I, I sometimes I'm a little embarrassed because it just seems like like I must have made it up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, wait a minute. I, I, this should have been divvied out to more people, right? Um, yeah. But but it you know it's something I've lived with, so I'm pretty comfortable with myself. Yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, I was looking at my bio that I that uh, I, they had me put together, and and uh, my bio looks like I just can't keep a job. That's what that looks like. <laughs> but but yours, no, no. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> but but your your bio is, um, and and I highly encourage people to get it. And the name of the book is "Let Your Heart Be Broken: Life and Music from a Classical Composer." Let your heart be broken. I'm not quite sure what what does that mean to you. Well, from I I start the book out by telling how in the 80s I went to a conference, and this was when we had the AIDS epidemic, yes. and um, you know friends were dying. It was a very scary time. I think sometimes people don't realize that you know many of us have lived through another epidemic other than COVID, although it wasn't quite as nationally based. So I was at this uh, conference and there was a writer, author uh, there, and he was asked, what do you think the meaning of life is? And um, he said, you know, uh, and I'll read from the book. He said, uh, I, I don't really know. And he paused looking to the side. He turns back smiling. But I think the meaning of life is to let your heart be broken. And then I write, the heart, the round sphere of your being, let your heart be broken, allow, expect, look forward to the life you have so carefully protected and cared for. Broken, cracked, rent in two, heartbreakingly, your heart breaks, and in the two halves rocking on the table is revealed rich earth, moist, dark soil, ready for a new life to begin. So Why that's... Not? Not only are you a great composer, that's a great um, line that you just wrote, that you just read. Yeah. And I think it's true for all of us is we all have heartbreak. We, instead of avoiding it, going through it allows us to gain some of the wisdom and um, maybe not the positive things, but allows us to start again. And I think it, it's also applicable to creating works of uh, either, you know, music or writing that it's kind of 
getting through it, allowing yourself through the process that allows for growth and, and more understanding. It's my understanding that the experiences that we have in life, be them good or be them bad, there isn't really one or the other. They're all just experiences. Mm -hmm. And we gain those experiences in order for us to continue to learn about life and who we are and how we can live our lives to the best. So we don't need to poo-poo experiences and say, I don't want to have any because there's sometimes I break my heart. Sometimes you're, I, I love, I love what you're, you're writing there because sometimes your heart needs to be broken in order for it to heal, for you to move to the next level of who you really are. Do you believe that? Well, and life is full of heartbreaking moments. You know, it, it happens all the time. And it, sometimes it happens in a good way. Like you have children and they all leave for their lives. They grow up and leave and you're brokenhearted because you've lost that, those little people that you used to live with. Um, but um, I, I don't necessarily say you should go out and look for heartbreak, but it will come your way. Uh, you know, so it's really about how we go through it and how we are with it. And that, that's why the book is called Let Your Heart Be Broken, um, because it is about the good times, the difficult times, the painful times in my life and all the time writing music and how all that sort of goes into my music. And it, your music is beautiful and it's very heartfelt. And, you know, but I remember when my youngest son was nine and we would go to the grocery store and he would always let me hold his hand. So we would go hand in hand into the grocery store and, and then he turned nine and a half and I reached for his hand and he pulled it away. Yep. That was the last time. And that was a heart, but for me, that was a heart wrenching experience because I knew that I, he was my youngest. So I knew that that was, I would never be holding a young kid's hand yep. going into the grocery store again. And, and uh, so those, those things happen to us and right. they're right. just part of life. They're just mm -hmm. part of life. Mm -hmm. And, but you have done so many things. What got you involved in what, what started your love of music? Well, um, I think I've always loved music. Um, I think kids love music, uh, mm -hmm. but I was particularly in love with music. Um, I started playing the piano when I was five. Um, I, I wasn't too keen on playing the piano, but I was, you know, I practiced and my, my mother used to bribe me, you know. Um, I had to practice five, uh, an hour a day, which is a lot by today's standards. Um, so she gave me five cents an hour and then I renegotiated it to 10 cents an hour. So I felt you know, I worked through my childhood, um, but I always loved to listen to music. I think my attraction to music was that it became a very safe world for me, sort of like when you were a kid and maybe you were reading a book or um, maybe you were watching a TV program, some place where you could go and people wouldn't really bother you. You know, life was out there and you were able to sort of be in this cocoon of, of safety and protection. 
I always joke um, that when I was a kid, washing dishes was very safe. Nobody bothers you when you're washing dishes. <laughs> Nobody wants to help you. So I always felt it was very safe. Um, but that sense of being wrapped in something that keeps the outside world out, uh, I think was one of the reasons that I loved music. I, I didn't know it then, but now I think, oh yeah, that's probably why. And you have done so much educationally to learn your craft and to learn your trade. So you and you went to school and and you received your BA in piano and composition from um, Benningham College in seventy six. Bennington, um, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that was a great that was that was a great experience. And I had gone to in high school. I had I had done some work at conservatories and I'd studied piano at conservatories as well. But Bennington, um, with it, they had a very um, interesting way of education. They didn't believe in tests in the 70s and they didn't believe in grades. They figured, you know, why give you a grade? You should be doing it for yourself. And if you weren't doing it for yourself, you probably shouldn't be in college. Um, so they gave me a lot of freedom to explore and take a lot of different courses as well as study music. So I did a lot of philosophy and chemistry and math. Oh, I did calculus. I was terrible at calculus, but I did it anyway. <laughs> um, so, and I, I just had always loved learning. I loved reading. Everything seemed kind of interesting to me. Well, you know, it's interesting because you graduated from college in 76. I remember 1976 pretty well. Oh, I was yeah. I just graduated from high school myself. And uh, there was a lot of really, really cool music out there. What determined that you wanted to go the classical route versus the good old rock and roll route? Well, that was mostly because my mother had, you know, take, you know, I had always studied classical music, taking piano. So, and she was pretty clear. I I had to sort of sneak rock and roll. I had to listen to it on the sly because it was not considered very good. And um, I just loved it. But so I had always sort of studied uh, classical music, but also within classical music, I had done a lot of contemporary music. So music of composers who were living at that point. And so I did the Bach and the Beethoven but I also did contemporary music as well. And when I went to college and started writing music myself, then I really got interested in what composers were doing in that particular field. Um, and that field was just an extension of classical music, but how we perceive life today in using some of those uh, classical instruments and ensembles. They don't always necessarily sound like classical pieces. When you go to a, an orchestra and you hear a, a new composition, it may not sound very classical because it's in our language, our, our current language. Gotcha. Now, you brought to us several clips that I would love to play. Okay. And let's, let's play one of them so that Eric can get it. Uh, which, which one would you like him to... Uh, rack up Ooh, i think um let's do fire on the mountain that has a lot of rhythm in it 
Okay, and we'll do, and, and that one came to you. Uh, has that been around a while, or is it a newer one? That's a piece that I actually write about in my book, in my memoir. And uh, the genesis of this was that I had a dream, and I was dreaming that there was a great big white horse lying on a couch outside, and I was trying to take a picture of him. And I couldn't quite get him in my viewfinder. And I realized I was too close. So I stepped back to take this picture. And as I was stepping back, I looked up and there on the mountain was some sort of, maybe it was, you know, bright sunlight up there, or maybe it was really a fire. And I realized that I stand too close to things. And for instance, love, being in love with somebody. I get too close and I can't get perspective. And so this piece was that sense of trying to get perspective about, actually about love. And the name of this again is? Fire on the Mountain. And it is written for marimba, vibraphone, and piano. That's very, very. Oh, hold on. <laughs> we we have to get that in there, and uh, that. <laughs> oh, you're making me laugh. <laughs> that, that, was, that was very, very good, and uh, and that's not the complete. That's just a snippet of it, correct? That is just a tiny snippet of it, um, but. Um, I'm very interested in rhythms and how they accumulate um, and how energy, you know, rhythms are just sort of energy that's being used up. You could say like when you're running or, or, you know, you're getting that sense of, you know, at first you're kind of flopping around, but then you finally get into a rhythm, uh, a steady rhythm of running and it feels really good. And then you start to get tired <laughs> and then the rhythm gets a little wonky. So, I'm really interested in how rhythm relates to my body and my physical presence. And so that was, uh, that, that was a very rhythmic section of that piece. And then you notice that it kind of calmed down and then this little melody was able to sort of come out. Now, when you write a piece you know, like that, is it now you, you do it for multiple in instruments mm -hmm. and are all of these things, do they just come to you? Does the underlying melody come to you and then you fill it out? What's your process? How does it work? Oh, my goodness. Um, now, of course, I've been writing for 45 years, so I, I have this process down to what I need to do. Usually I start with a lot of writing. I journal about it. A lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll usually have a title um, that I'm working on, and it gives me ideas 
uh, sort of orients me. It kind of creates the space for me. And music is very much like a story. It has a beginning, middle, and end. So I'm, I'm thinking not only about um, what is happening in the moment, but what how it connects to the whole piece. What's the balance of the whole piece? So I have a title, and then um, I start to, when I finally get to uh, my piano, I start to write kind of like all these notes all over the place. And sometimes they, they're not in order, but as I'm composing what I call the material, so it might be the chords or might be a little snippet of this or a little snippet of that. It might be in four part. It might be a single. I start to organize it. Or as I'm writing those little bits of information, they give me new, other ideas. And then I start to figure out what the connection is. And in music, a connection is always like in that piece you just heard, it was very rhythmic. And then suddenly something happened and it started, it didn't get slower, but there was this melody that came out and you felt like, oh yeah, that's, that's right. It's changed, but it's, it's okay. So how you kind of stitch together those connections between different parts. Oh, you know what? It's like a journey. You're on a train. And it's beautiful countryside. And then suddenly you're going through a town and then you're going, you know, you see the ocean, you know, so you're getting this kind of journey in the music, which is telling you also an overall story. Um, That's really cool. Yeah. So, and then when I finally get all the material written, I don't really have any of the notation down. It's just, it looks like somebody sneezed on a piece of staff paper. <laughs> like, it's like all these notes and, you know, I have arrows or crossing stuff out. It looks like a big hot mess. Um, but I can take that and put that in an order. And then I'm really able to start writing the piece, uh, you know, putting it down in with note heads and with measures. And I still write with pencil and paper because it really slows me down. It makes me think what I'm doing on the computer, it can be pretty fast or you can copy something, you know, you say, Oh, I like this four measures. I'll just copy it and maybe do it twice. But if you had to write it out, you'd think about it. Like, I don't think I want to write it out two times, you know, so uh, paper and pencil really slows me down. And when the piece is in a good uh, shape, then I put it on the computer. And I was reading about you that when you when you get intuitively feeling like it's time for you to write, you get a twisting in the pit of your stomach. <laughs> sometimes, yeah, sometimes, yeah. It kind of like it's kind of spooking me. It's like it's like a kid who wants a uh, oh, it's like my dog who wants a treat. You know, they're following you around and like kind of whining and getting underfoot and being a real nuisance and um yes that is that is true that does happen to me yeah it's like a dog that um tells you i gotta go outside i gotta go outside and and from what i you were describing that it gets more intense over time then it goes away for a little bit and then it comes back until you've you do what you're being told to do and then it kind of then it kind of calms down. Is that is that an accurate? Well, yes. And um, in the beginning of the process, when I'm starting out, uh, especially when I'm writing the material, sometimes a good day is five minutes. That's like all I can do. 
it's like I I just feel like I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, and then uh, then ten minutes is a good day, and then you know suddenly I'm able to write two or three hours a day or four hours a day. It depends upon usually in the middle of the process when the pieces the material is all written. I can I can compose for a long time, but in the beginning it's it's very delicate. And uh, so I just have to live with the way I do it. <laughs> and how you do it is apparently very, very well thought of. <laughs> um, how does it feel to be considered a world-renowned composer? Well, I, I don't think about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because... Um, you know, when you have a lifelong career as um, an artist, it really takes a certain kind of toughness. And um, there are going to be good times. There are going to be really bad times. There are going to be times when you can't believe they said no to you. Um, uh, and there are times where you feel really like you have nothing to say. And there are times when you have everything to say. And you kind of have to live with those ups and downs. So I find it very important for me to protect myself and to stay in the moment and just be where I am. And that's hard enough. That's, that's really can be pretty hard for me just well, to stay you, where I am. Yes. And, but you know, the, the reality is, is you can't do anything about your past and the future hasn't happened yet. And all you've got is right now. Yes. Right. And right. So that's where I'm trying to stay. Which is which is just perfect. By the way, yeah. we're talking with Tina Davidson. Go to tinadavidson.com and you can learn all about her. You can buy her memoir. Um, you can review some of her works. You can buy her works on her website. I highly encourage you to go there. Again, that's tinadavidson.com. Now, we need to take a break, but when we come back... I want to talk about junk in the classroom and children doing the, what you are helping them to do, which, by the way, you're having a great impact on young lives that can last for a very long time, if not forever. So, we're again, we're talking with Tina Davidson. We'll be right back. You're listening to Positive Talk Radio on KKNW. Hey, PTR loyal listener. First, thanks for being in my dream. And second, I have a new concept in business to share with you. It's called socialpreneurship. So what's that? Well, it's the idea that any company designates all profits beyond expenses to be awarded to a local or international charity or project, which is working to achieve good in the world. KM Media is such a company. We believe that it's important for us to give back whenever possible and to make great things happen. So I hope you'll join us in creating this new business model that will positively impact all of us. In the next few weeks, we'll lay out the plan and begin our fundraising efforts. So stay tuned for more details right here on Positive Talk Radio. When you want to say more than words communicate, you can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is anaturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature 
through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. Anaturaldesign.com at your fingertips today. Hey, thanks for listening to Positive Talk Radio. Did you know that we're also a media production company? Well, surprise, we are. We can create all kinds of audio video products to fill any need. Please visit kmmedia.pro backslash our dash store for a complete list of products and services. In addition, do you need a great voice to add to your own website or any other project? I know that we can add depth and quality to your work. I've been told more times than I can count by many professionals in the business that my voice adds to the quality of the presentation. So let me create something for you. Please contact me at Kevin at KMmedia.pro and let's create something great. And welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. It's a Monday afternoon. We have a great guest for you today. She is a world, dare I say it, a world famous composer. And uh, but before we continue, Tina, um, I want to bring this up because this is something that's new is happening for us. There's a magazine or a excuse me, a website uh, that's very much much like the Huffington Post, which is called um, babyboomers.org. And babyboomers.org, one of the uh, um, men that created it, he he goes by the uh, pen name of Gramps Jeffrey. And what Gramps Jeffrey is writing are children's books to, to try and put together the different generations of older grandmas and grandpas and their kids. And, and he's writing books around that. And, and he's also creating this great website that they just um, took my entire catalog of 540 shows and are going to put that on their website uh, so that uh, people can go uh, look at the things that we've done there because a lot of the things talking to people like you is is very interesting to folks who are have been on the planet a little bit longer and you and i are both baby boomers and uh and so it's 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 kind of fun so and you're doing very and have done for a long time very much the same thing when you work with children tell us about your program that i think is just fascinating and by the way you can also go uh, on uh her website, uh, tinadavison.com, and uh, there's a there's a um, YouTube video that shows yeah. the kids the kids playing and stuff. So tell us what you created and how it works. Um, it was uh, a long time ago <laughs> when I had a grant to work with an, an, a symphony orchestra, an opera company, and the YWCA in Wilmington, Delaware. And I was within in a residence with them for three years. That meant that I was around on a weekly basis to help them with various projects and to help them think of new ways that they could uh, do contemporary music and also get music out into the community. So one of the projects that I did, which is sort of the backstory to the music in the school program, is that I worked at a homeless shelter with uh, homeless women who had lost their children for various reasons, usually because they were homeless or there had been uh, violence in the home or, or some sort of uh, issue. And so they were in a, a program, a parenting program, that was going to help them become better 
kids so when they got their kids back they could really have a much more positive relationship with them. So as a composer, I decided, uh, along with the director of that program, that we would help the women write music operas of their lives. They would write the music, they would write their stories of their lives, and uh, they would compose music by singing the melodies or, or you know, they, they were more like a rock and roll songs, um, but they created these pieces about their lives as part of a way to become more introspective about their relationship with children. And we were uh, always meeting in the kitchen, so we took down pots and pans, and then we started to have a drum circle with pots and pans and uh, all sorts of things. And this gave me an idea to create a program going into public schools. And Generally, I would uh, be asked to go into schools that had maybe not as good. They were inner city schools like in Wilmington, Delaware, or in Philadelphia. They maybe didn't have as many um, programs or as wasn't a school system that had a lot of money. So um, when I was going into this one school, uh, we were going to write music, but they had no instruments. They didn't even have a music program. So they didn't have any little drums or xylophones. So I thought, oh, what are we going to do? And I said, oh, I know we can we can compose for our desks. So they would write duets for the desks, you know, the different sounds of the desks and like the side sounds different, the legs sound different. And then I said, well, let's build instruments. And I said, well, what do you have at home? And they said, junk. We have junk. <laughs> so I said, OK, bring in your junk. Don't bring any bottles because they could break but all your plastics and your shoe boxes and your tin cans. And that's how we started building instruments. And what I found is, you know, I brought in my glue guns and my uh, uh, rubber bands and we created like a shoe box would become a violin and uh, we'd put rubber bands on it and it, you could get a kind of a strumming sound. And then we'd start to write music. Uh, and I used in uh, graphic notation so they would draw the sound. So they would be writing for four kids and each of them would sort of draw what they wanted to play. And then we moved into smaller pieces of paper and then they had to look at how do you describe a sound that goes for a long time? Like if you hold a, a pitch and you go, bah, how do you write that rather than just a short sound? Um, and then we'd create these pieces and they'd perform them for the school. And the whole intention of the work uh, the workshop was to identify for them that they were creative people, that they could do this. Given materials, they could build an instrument. Given pieces of paper, they could write music. And I wanted, I've always wanted to ensure kids that they knew how creative, that it was a gift, that, that they all had this gift. Maybe some of them had more of it than others, but they, we all have the gift of being creative. We create our lives, we create our marriages, we create our families, we create our jobs. Um, and if you value that and can name it, call it your own, I think you have a better opportunity in life to get, a, get ahead because you feel more secure about yourself i think that number one that's a beautiful story and thank you thank you for doing that and what it did for those kids is it gave them self-respect 
Yes. Because they could do something that the other kids, because I, I can tell you what would probably happen is that they performed in front of the school and then kids would come up to them and say, that's really cool. How did you do that? Yes. And mm-hmm. so it gave them the notoriety and the self-belief mm-hmm. that they could do something special. And that carries forward. Yes. Just like negative, negative uh, um experiences mm-hmm. positive experiences also do the same thing they can bring us forward when i <laughs> when i was a cub scout my mother had me do a uh, monologue uh and they, you know what a monologue is oh yeah you, you're by yourself and you go onto the stage and you're and it's empty and this is like the blue and gold dinner so there's a couple hundred people in the audience and i did this thing called sparkler for mother mm-hmm. and uh and so it was and all the and so at the end of it, I got a big round of applause, and all the kids were like, "How did you do that? That's really pretty cool." And I, they didn't know that it had taken like weeks and weeks and weeks of of rehearsing and stuff to get that down. But but it gave me a whole different viewpoint of who I was. And so you gave that to these yes. kids, and yeah, you've been doing this for years. I I'm I don't really want to create musicians. But I want to create the, the a situation where I can support children feeling like they have talents and they can rely on those talents. And, um, and when they have talents, that I teach them that talents need work. You can't have a talent and not work hard. In fact, a talent requires hard work. You can't get by just on a talent. And that's that's a hard sell sometimes to middle schoolers. Um, but, you know, and I have, a, when I teach privately, I'm very fortunate that I see these children uh, every week for sometimes 10 years. And um, I have the ability to keep on reinforcing this idea. You have talent, you work hard and you it's like watering your talent. You can grow your talent if you put water on it. But if you think you can go off and party and not water your talent, it it might kind of not be there when you get back or it might not be as big as you think it is. But that's to be able to say yes to students. Yes, you can. I will help you. I am here. Um, let's do this together is, is really um, a privilege. You know, if you are listening to this, I would highly encourage you for not only your own self, but for the people that are around you. If you can be a coach, if you can be a volunteer, if you can help people with homework, if you can do, if you can be a big brother or a big sister. And because the impact that you make on somebody else's life is immeasurable and i'm willing to bet sitting here tina that you have people all the time that were like yeah tina was my music teacher for 10 years and oh she's wonderful and i love her and and you had a magical impact on a lot of people yeah i hope so yeah that's that's what i'm working for is just to support them and um and share my joy of music i just love music so i want everybody else to love it so yeah. And regardless of any of its forms, I grew up with a, a little band from Liverpool in, in the, in the middle sixties. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so that, but that was, and I grew up in a household that had no music. 
Nobody listened to music in the household. And how the Beatles broke through in the walls of my house, I have no idea. Yeah. But uh, I love music. I love all kinds of music, the music that you do. Speaking of which, we're going to run out of time. I'm so fascinated talking to you. <laughs> that, so what, what, let's play another number. What would you like to play next? Um, I want to do a bright flash of wings. It's for string sextet. Um, it's, so that's two violins, two violas, and two cellos. And uh, the piece gets um, its title from that idea that every once in a while you're outside walking and you'll see something upstairs up up in the sky but you're not sure what it is it might be a flash of something but you look up and maybe at that moment you know for the first time that day you look up and you can see the world uh, you stop being sort of so into yourself so this is just a, a, a one or two minute snippet Tina Davidson, and uh, the name of that uh, composition again is? A Bright Flash of Wings. Do you know that story, that music, well, that story that, he, that is masquerading as music, um, That there was a story there. <laughs> and it was real, to me, it was real clear as day. If you were quiet your mind and listen to the music, the story will unfold in front of you. Does it do that for you? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Yes. Right. That's really cool. That's really amazing. That you know, the, uh, of, and all the work that you put into it, because that to me, that was like a, a that was clear as bell. There was, there was a story there. I need I need <laughs> to sit down and write that out. <laughs> um, so that's that's really cool. And, and now the, that one has been around for a little while as well. Yes, it has. Yeah. 
Yeah. I am this um, fall uh, going into the recording studio with a pianist and a string quartet. And we are going to do a new CD of some of my more recent works. Um, uh, I wrote a piece during COVID, which is called Leap, L-E-A-P. And, you know, sort of like, you know, when COVID hit, hit, we all felt we sort of leaped off a cliff. You know, we didn't know where we were. Uh, so it's sort of about that kind of experience. Um, and I have uh, quite a few pieces on there that are for combinations of strings and piano. Now, I have, this most, I have a lot of musical guests on, and I <laughs> ask a lot of the composers uh, that where do they get their inspiration, and is it purely inspiration, or is it a combination? Do you, like, for instance, Paul McCartney woke up with the, the song Yesterday in His Head. Um, doesn't know where it came to this day. He's 80 years old. He still doesn't know where it came from. Um, does your music present itself to you? Is it hard work? Is it um, brick by brick and laying the foundation and then building a house? How how, how does it work for you? All, all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's easy. <laughs> that's not fair. Um, some pieces, um, especially... Actually, especially pieces that are for voice, um, that are driven by lyrics, tend to really slip out pretty easily for me. I What I love about setting words is that you're in collaboration with the words. You're not the only artist there. At, at, you have to consider the words and the way they sound and the meaning of them and the phrasing of the words. So it is really like collaborating with words, which is, it's really fun. There are some things you just can't do because it, it will work against the words. And then it's hard to hear the words or it sounds kind of funky. So anyway, it, to me, that's really fun. So those pieces actually kind of slip out um, more readily for me. Um, other pieces, you know, it depends also where I am in the process. Sometimes they're very hard going and then suddenly they're easy. Um, sometimes they're just, you know, they just march along. So there is no method to my madness. Which is, which is really makes, which is really freeing for you, isn't it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It just. It, it shows up how it shows up. By the way, another musical guy, he just finished last night his last performance. We'll see. His name is Elton John. That's right. And he was on a farewell tour, 350-date farewell tour. Anyway. Oh, my gosh. I, and I was talking to a poet earlier today, and uh, he's going to come on the show in, at a later date. And uh, I said, have you ever thought about collaborating with a um, a a composer and putting something together and he said well I thought about it and I said have you ever heard of Elton John and he said yeah I've, yeah have you ever heard of Bernie Taupin uh, who <laughs> no I don't know who that is I said well years ago a music company put together put an ad in the paper and asked for a lyricist and a uh, composer to get together they put those two together and the rest is history um, so, you know, if you're a lyricist out there and, uh, um, Tina Davidson, <laughs> it would be a, a fine person to, to, uh, co-write with, um, or, or find somebody else who's got, uh, who is musically gifted and, and write some extraordinary songs. So I just, I just thought well, 
Well, actually, I do a lot of collaboration with my younger sister, Eva Davidson, who is a wonderful poet. And I have set a lot of her music together. And in my memoir, Let Your Heart Be Broken, there are some of her poems in there. And then I have also worked with my other sister. We did an opera together. And um, my sister Eva wrote the lyrics for songs. And my other sister, who is a writer, wrote a section of, of the opera. Well, you guys, so, you're a talented family. Did your mom and dad know this? Uh, yeah. You were growing up? Yeah, they knew this. Yeah. <laughs> now, because I know you were born in uh, Sweden, Stockholm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so obviously they were there at the time as well. Were, were they uh, talented in the arts as well? My mother was, um, she was a literature professor and uh, she was a, an avid violinist. She loved playing the violin. And my stepfather was also a literature professor. Uh, my biological father uh, was a research scientist. Um, but his mother, actually, I have her piano. It's a hundred year old Steinway. And he loved playing jazz, uh, so 30s, 20s, and 30s, and 40s music. So Gershwin and. Um, so my mother played violin, my, my, my father played jazz. And when I was living in Sweden, I was living in a foster home and my Swedish mother played the harmonica. And so I always felt that there were so many people in my past, so many women in my past who had wanted to do music, but didn't. And I was kind of answering a call. You know, I was sort of uh, all that sort of frustrated energy just, was given to me. And so that was what I was doing. So I always, I thought that was always very interesting. And it, it is and for me, cause, cause you remember back in the, in those times, um, not only could women not, you know, open their own checking account and they hadn't been given the vote, you know, but 40 or 50 years before and stuff, they also were not predominantly the lead singer in a band. Or they did, they did some opera and they did some things like that. But it, but it wasn't until um, the the seventies really right. is when they when women started to take people like uh, Barbara Streisand in the late sixties and, mm-hmm. and started to take prominence in in the field of the arts and singing and and composing and uh, and that sort of thing. And that and I think we missed a lot. I'm glad it's changed now. But I think we missed a lot of really valuable contributions to humankind by not having women take a more prominent role. I know you probably agree with that. I, I think that's a wonderful way of putting it. Um, it's not that um, it, it's sort of like we missed we got half of the story, but not the whole story. Exactly. And I think that that. Um, that is, you know, and now we're having a more diverse story. Uh, you know, we're having diversity. We're having we're, we're having so many different people add their story and it just becomes richer. I think some people feel like maybe they feel life is kind of scarce, scarce. So like the glass is half full um, and they feel like, well, that's so many people trying to get the one apple and we're going to have to divide it in such a tiny little portion 
but I kind of have an abundance model in my head. And my feeling is the more people that add on to things, their story, the richer we become, that it doesn't become diluted, but it just becomes richer and richer. It makes a bigger apple. Yes, uh, absolutely. That's the way, I mean, that's the way I feel, yes. Well, and I got to tell you, you, you feel I, I'm 100% with you. And uh, I want to, first of all, I'd like to thank you. I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Oh, me too. Me too. Just such, such a special treat. I really, really appreciate it. And before we go, we've got uh, to leave in uh, three and a half minutes or so. But I want to give you the opportunity to tell our audience the ones that are listening now or the ones that will be listening to this in 10 years. I'd love for you to tell them anything that you would like them to know. Hmm. Well, definitely, I think people who are musical or not musical, who are interested in the arts, who are not interested in the arts, I think that my memoir is an exciting, what I hear from people who are reading it is that it's an exciting, meaningful um, memoir that speaks uh, to people in such a different way. Maybe you have uh, personal growth or family stories, or you're interested in artistic, how people, how people create art, or maybe you just want to read a good story. There's some sort of cliffhangery. There's, I've heard that, (laughs) <laughs> I've heard that people tell me that they can't put it down. They sort of have to finish it because it's uh, kind of like a, a page turner. Um, but I do think there's something in the memoir for everyone, um, for women with children, for families. Um, so I definitely feel that I'm, I'm very proud of this book. I'll let your heart be broken. Um, it's not usual for a composer to write about their process and how they are feeling musically connected to life. And so I think um, that makes it kind of really interesting. And again, the name of the book is Let Your Heart Be Broken, Life and Music from a Classical Composer. You can go to her website and you can pick it up there and sure. pick it up on Amazon. Just go right to Amazon. And if, and if you, as an example, have a local bookseller that is in your neighborhood that you like to support because they're a small business, go there. Absolutely. They can get it. Yes. And get it in your library. I know that libraries now are picking it up every once in a while. They'll see that there are more and more libraries that have bought it, which is very exciting. Well, the cool thing is, is that book is going to be here for a very long time. And mm-hmm. be it, it's like my, it's like uh, positive talk radio and my work is going to be listened to uh, long into the future. And I have no idea who's going to pick it up, how right. it's going to impact them, but it's going to have a positive impact. This conversation that we've had today is going to have a positive impact when somebody hears it down the road. And I want to thank you so much for being oh, my total pleasure. And again, we've been we've been talking to Tina Davidson. Go to tinadavidson.com. Pick up the book, Let Your Heart Be Broken, Life and Music from a Classical Composer. We have to go now. Thank you again. You're quite again, welcome. We're going we're gonna to leave with your music. And by the way, everybody, be kind to one another because each other's all we've got. Yes.